so weak. Hey. I, for the one person Thank you for did saying it, I'm, hi. I'm so proud of y'all. What's up, guys? God, you're Energy sovereign. is crazy tonight. Uh, the nice weather, everything's going on for that, apparently. So, hey, um, so what I want to do as far as for ending our series, we've been in a series called Fake, and you'll see the tagline, Leaving Behind Hypocrisy. But the reality of that is we're not just leaving behind hypocrisy. What we really want to do is claim authenticity, genuine faith. What does it look like to be a follower of Christ in this day, not according to what the culture would say or the church culture would say, but according to what God's word has said. And so in all of these lessons, we've really tried to hit on what does it mean to follow Jesus? How do we follow Jesus? How do we push through the difficulties? How do we rely more on the spirit, rely more on his word and his truth to truly understand what it means to be a faithful follower of him and not just a fake hypocritical part of our culture? So today we are ending our series with a panel discussion on worship. And the heart behind that is everything that we do is demonstrated in our worship when it comes to how we love the Lord. Worship is the overflow of our affection for Jesus. And today I've got Keith Wilson, which you all know Keith, and we are wearing matching shirts, but that's okay. He wears it way better than I do. I'm sure you would agree with that. And you're sitting by each other. I, I literally said it's that as we, at the end I said, hey, I just want you to know we're going to be sitting beside each other in the same shirt. We were both going to be like front and center there for a second. That would have been, no, it wouldn't. Um, and then uh, for those of you who don't know Pey- Peyton Trapnell, this is our worship leader at the Georgetown campus. So give it up to Peyton. Yeah. She's led worship for us. I love Peyton. She's great. And then, uh, of course, Brody Thomas. Brody leads our high schoolers. He's Y'all know me. All right, so anyway, uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29, we are going to camp out and base this conversation in verse 13. But while you're turning there, I do want to give you some context to what leads up for this. This is certainly going to be a discussion about worship, but it's rooted in truth. And so in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, you see the prophet. He is warning the people of Israel and the people of Judah for their impending destruction. And so he's at this point already talked about the disobedience of the people of Israel to God and their unfaithfulness. And he tells them about the Assyrian invasion and what's gonna happen to that. And so that's history lesson for you all. The people of God at this point in history were split into Northern and Southern. On the North you had Israel and on the South you had Judah. All right, and so Judah would be destroyed by, do you know who? Babylon, right? And so this is, I know, I'm like a Bible nerd. I'm like sitting here and I'm like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it, yeah, I was waiting. Actually, fun fact, okay, this has nothing to do with the panel discussion. When I, my first year teaching as a student pastor, I taught a Sunday school lesson on the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And I said that the Babylonians took uh, Judah into captivity. And there was a Sunday school teacher, Jen Steck, who called me out on it because I was wrong. And like, Totally intimidated me. I was probably like 20. I'm not intimidated by her. She's the nicest person ever. She's a very strong person, though. Like, she's, she is intense. You think all right, I'm intense? Isaiah. All right, anyways. So, all that to say, what we see in Isaiah 29 is, is, is the prophet Isaiah dealing with the people of Judah and their lacklusterness when it comes to worship, their lack of faithfulness. And that's where we read the verse that we're going to be camped out on in verse 13. It says this, the Lord said, 
The people approach me with their speeches to honor me with their lip service, yet their hearts are far from me and their human rules dictate their worship of me. And so what he is saying is they're not genuine. This is all the way they worship is because this is how humans have told them to worship. And when I look at our worship, I think expectation of worship infiltrates how we worship God. You're going to have, for example, two songs on the front end, two songs on the back end, a message in the middle. There's no leniency for the Holy Spirit in the traditional view of a church service. But I think Scripture is very clear that we should worship the Lord according to how he wants to be worshipped. And we, there should be a spiritual and supernatural element in our worship. And so I would start by this. What's your all's initial reaction to the words of the prophet Isaiah to the people of Judah here? When he says, uh, you honor me with lip service, yet your hearts are far from me. Human rules direct your worship of me. What's your initial response to that? And I'm mainly talking to the worship leaders, but... No, you're qualified, Brody. <laughs> you're super special. Thanks. Do you want to go first? I go first. Okay. Well, read that again. So, Just one more time. First, no, it's so. cool. It's cool. Um, the people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and human rules dictate their worship of me. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing in that text that sticks out is heart because obviously it says heart posture in there and I think a lot of what we can dive into later that I when I think about worship I think a lot of times when we talk about how we worship we talk more about what we do like do we sing do we lift our hands do we what do we look like what does Keith look like when he worships is he raising his hands or not well that means he's holy if he's raising his hands that's not necessarily the truth it's it's about where our heart is at because I can be standing up here raising my hands but not thinking anything about anything that I'm singing or the Lord and that is just a waste it's fake yeah yeah there you go great wow fake yes yeah I uh kind of going off of that I saw a clip from a podcast I don't know what podcast it was from but they were talking about Christian uh Christian hip-hop and this guy was saying that he had talked to um, a Christian hip hop artist, and the guy basically was like, "Oh yeah, I like, I don't really know a lot about Jesus. I'm just good at him. Like, I'm good at being a Christian hip hop artist. Like, I know the right words to say. I know like the right people to hang out with. But like, his his relationship with God was like almost non-existent. He was purely just doing it for for the money. Yeah. Um, and you know that's not worship." Um, and you know, I've, I've been there in my, in my walk. Like I, the church I grew up at, um, was like 30 minutes away from my house. I was the only kid from my high school that went to that church. And so it was really easy for me to put on, you know, my church look when I'm at church, I knew all the right things to say. I, I could quote some scripture, you know, I grew up doing upward doing songs and stuff. I would even lead in the band sometimes, but then I'd go back to school. And when I was around my school friends, I was a completely different person. You wouldn't even know that I knew God. And you know, that's, that's what they're talking about. They, they're coming to God in, in the temple, in the church and saying one thing, praising, praising him, saying all the right things. But like, like Peyton was saying, their hearts are not in it. 
Yeah, it's not in here, but Malachi 1 talks about, it, it, we see a repeated theme in Scripture of people, uh, people of God giving inauthentic or fake worship to God. And, and we just have to make it very clear. Inauthentic worship, fake worship is not worship at all. Worship is, it comes from the heart. And just like you said, Peyton, it's an overflow. And, and so that leads us directly into our next question. What then is true worship? As you would define it. And it doesn't have to be a perfect, like, definition, but as you think of true worship, what is it? It's just honoring the Lord for what he's done, what he'll continue to do, and who he is. And we do that in many, why do you turn around? Oh, sorry. It says what he's done. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we do that in many different ways than just singing yeah. and playing instruments. And I mean, that's a very inclusive definition. Yeah, I think of Jesus saying true whispers worship in spirit and truth. So a lot of times I gauge my worship on that. Is like, well, am I worshiping my, in spirit? Like, am I glorifying God with my, every part of my being? And then am I worshiping in truth? So scripture, for example, like we sing a lot of scripture. Y'all may not realize it, but a lot of the songs we sing, probably every song we sing is scripture-based. So that's the beauty of it is we, we can easily worship in truth. You just have to work on the spirit part. Why are you laughing, Peyton? Oh. We hope, yeah. Get songs to make yes. sure they're yes, written in scripture, oh, yes. So yes, they should. Keep anything to add to that? <laughs> Most of them. Um, yeah, I, so I think to think of worship, if you almost think of worshiping not God, like let's say you have an idol in your life that's sports. Like let's just take disc golf. We both play disc golf. When we both got into well, hold on, it. Hold on, hold on. You play disc golf. I'm just kind of there trying. Regardless. Uh, when when you first golf. got into disc golf, did you not start like – you started watching videos yeah. and you were like Googling stuff. You're looking it up. And that's the same thing with God. When you find God, you initially, you want to get in the Bible and see what it says about him. You want to like look up songs to sing, all that stuff. That's worship is wanting to take the next seven, diving deep and like seeking, seeking him out as like your main focus in life. So worship doesn't just happen in this building. Correct. Worship is literally yeah. in the DNA of a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a stigma that worship is just singing, and yeah. it's not. I think we worship God with everything that we do. Mm -hmm. um, we worship Him through prayer. We worship Him by loving others. You know, we call like singing worship, but it extends far beyond that. Absolutely. So, when we think about worshiping, okay, and, and for this question, I would say think about what we do. Uh, through even our time in here, but also maybe potentially apply it to what we do out, outwardly, not in here. Um, did you ever care, personal question here, about the people around you and what they thought about how you worshipped? Or, or was there a time where you cared more about what was going on in the room than you focused on the Lord? And I, I can repeat that question. It's also on the screen maybe a little bit more clearly. Yeah, it is. We're technologically, technologically advanced. Yes, short answer, yes. 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 So, yeah. I mean, I think when you were brought up in the church especially, for me, I've been around the church my whole life. So it's easy for me to go through the motions and also care a lot about what people think because I had a spotlight on myself. Everyone's like, oh, there's Bradley's son, the pastor's kid. So they're going to watch me. And I think it, I got to, it definitely was fear-based when I'm looking back on it of, well, if I raise my hands in this song, all my friends are going to think I'm like this weird dude who maybe is a little bit too passionate about Jesus. Which, by the way, that is dumb. If people are saying that to you, they're not good friends. Like, be passionate about Jesus and don't be ashamed of that. Don't let fear hold you back. So I think when that clicked in my brain, 
I started caring less and less and less and less. You know, it's funny you say that. I think about what you said about, like, sports. Yeah. Like, when we're, because we worship sports. Like, let's just be real. Like, nobody thinks a second glance if you get frustrated. Am I right, Seth, when UK does something stupid? And you're like, idiot! Like, or I don't get like frustrated. That. Like, nobody, nobody reacts that way and like, oh, you're crazy. No, right? It's like, oh, that's a normal reaction. Home dog missed a wide open three or 14 of them. Like, come on, right? I get happy. Shut up. I'm just kidding. I'm Shut kidding, up. guys. I promise. But it's true. Like, but, but when it comes to worshiping God, right, there is that stigma of like, okay, I, when it comes to, you know, I think about Brad who literally will get on the floor and, and literally scream hallelujah during a worship set if he's not drumming. And he doesn't care a bit about what people think because he's just worshiping. I think on the flip side of that too, there is also a pressure to have an outward look of, of worship. There is a pressure to raise your hands mm-hmm. and to like close your eyes and really get into it. And for some people, that's just not how you worship. Like, like we were saying earlier, worship happens in the heart. It's not anything that you do physically. If, if you're not a hand raiser, don't raise your hand because that goes back to, you know, being fake. Yeah. If you're raising your hand because all your friends are hand raisers in worship, then you're not doing it out of worship. You're doing it to, to follow suit. Yeah. Um, I definitely think there was a time in my life where I was focusing more on what was going on around me, but I actually think it was kind of, I'm glad you brought up what you brought up. Mine was kind of opposite. So I grew up as a church kid, but very reserved. And so then I went to college and I was in this area where like there was a lot going on more than I had ever seen. And I was like, I went through this very small period of time where I felt like I stood there and tried to decide whether you were being real or not more than I was focusing on what was going on. And that was, yeah, that's a really hard pill to swallow when you realize that you're like, that's extremely judgmental. That is not cool. So I was on the opposite side of that for a while, even though I grew up knowing, you know, that it is okay to have this outward appearance. It was almost like, let me decide if you're doing that for the Lord or if you're doing that for show. And that is so not cool. But yeah, I have been there before. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you get confidence or freedom to worship without fear of what others would think? What part of your life, what part of your walk, what part of your journey did you get this freedom to say, okay, I'm going to worship the way that God has called me to worship or, or the way that I want to express my worship to him? I was in high school, and I've spoke about this a few times, but there was a point in my life in high school, uh, going to junior year, where the Lord, the Lord radically encountered me, and I felt convicted about every part of my life. I was fake. I was living three different lives, and I remember going to worship service one time, and it was about worship, what we're talking about, and about how we can go through the motions, and how God, like the way we worship God is our offering to Him. It's the only thing we can really give Him besides our life, and I remember thinking, wow, I'm not sincerely offering anything to God. I'm coming in here and I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, So high school was really when I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be the change. If my friends don't like it, who cares? It's not about them, it's about God and me, me worshiping God. So I decided that I was gonna lead that out with my friend group and thankfully, I mean, God was kind of moving amongst us anyways. So I wasn't alone in that. Like people were also kind of feeling that. And that, I mean, that's really when I remember it, but. I think for me, it definitely happened when I 
I don't know if there's a timetable on it, but when I realized what a miracle it was that the Lord saved me from myself. And everybody realizes that at different times in different seasons of your life. But I think, yeah, that's really when I was able to do that. I think for me, um, mine definitely happened in, in college um, because, you know, like I was saying earlier, I, I was making a choice to go to my youth group even though I was the only one for my school to go. But at the end of the day, I knew that, you know, if I didn't go, my parents were going to be like, why are you still home? You know, why, why didn't you go? And when I came down here, there was no one from my school that went to UK with me. So once again, I had to make a choice to go to, to college, like ministry things. My bad. Not the pack. <laughs> um, I had to make a choice to go and, and, and seek out worship and, and find churches and find community. Um, and when, you know, God kind of came to me in a season and, and just showed me that he was pleased with me for choosing him over all the other things that I could have chosen at college. Um, and when I, when I really felt um, that, that tug on my heart that he is pleased with me, when I worship him and when I choose him first, that's really when I was able to just kind of let go and, and say, if that's what pleases you, then I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I, again, to get it back to the text, where it says human rules dictate their worship of me, and when we start thinking about confidence and freedom to worship, I, I do think it's very clear what you can hear from all three of your answers is there's an internal focus on worship, meaning how you worship the Lord is internal before it's external. Are you focused? Are you looking to the Lord? Are you laying aside all distractions and are you focusing on him and only then when when you are thinking much about god does that then come external and and the fear of what people think or the expectation of what people expect it all drifts away like i'll never forget a, a point in my life even recently as last year where we sang good good father my brother had just passed away and i was struggling i'd lost this is the third sibling that i've lost in, in in the time frame of two and a half years and I was just, and this was actually, the other two were adopted. This was my half-brother, and I know he didn't know Jesus. And so I'm reconciling that, and I'm worshiping him through the midst of an incredible, painful realization that my brother is not going to be with me in paradise. Like, it's just not. And so I remember just weeping, and my focus was not, oh, man, people are going to see me crying. My focus was, God, even in your mercy, you love me. And, and the same thing that you said, Peyton, how you save me is, is a, a mystery to me, but you do. Um, and, and, and so then in line, I would transition with this. Is it normal, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit, Keith, to have an expectation in worship, or is it normal to be afraid to worship freely? Did you I mean, we're human beings, that? so yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it can go either way. You can feel like, oh, everybody is doing nothing, and we're all just standing there, so I don't want to... If I feel the need to raise my hand, I don't want to be the person. Or you can be peer pressured into acting in a way that you're, <laughs> that you're, you don't feel on the inside the Lord prompting you to. So, yeah, I think it's definitely normal, but it's just that internal focus of what, why are we here? Like, what is the real reason that we are here um, that allows us to not have to be afraid or feel like there's an expectation? Yeah. I feel like... Um, 
I feel like we just, as, as humans, have an expectation for everything because we want to be in control. We want to be able to, you know, dictate the way that our lives work, and we do so by expecting one thing so that we can have a bunch of things prepared in our mind for what we're going to do in response. And the same thing is true with worship, where, you know, we come up here and we say, okay, if they play Glorious Day, like, I'm going to come down to the front and I'm going to jump around, but if they don't do that, then, like, I'm probably going to just check out and whatever. But, like, it, it's, it goes the same thing for, um, you know, for, for anything that you do. If you're expecting to show up to a class and take a quiz, you're going to be prepared for the quiz. If you're starting a new unit, you're not going to go in with any expectations. And the same thing goes for worship as well. Yeah. Anything you would add, Brody? No, I, I mean, absolutely. I think it absolutely has to do with the fear of man. Yeah. Not the 100%. fear of God. Because right. if you truly fear God, you're going to worship him. Right. So the fear of man guides you to be afraid of worship. There is a good, I don't know if you guys are readers. I'm not a reader, so I would listen to it on audiobook. But there's a great book by Ed Welch called um, When God is Big and People Are Small. Like, and that talks all about our hearts and how we approach God and how people can influence that negatively or even, you know, positively. And, and the goal is to, to make God big in our lives. I'll end with this question. Why should we, when we talk about worship, when we talk about giving authenticity, to the Lord, giving genuine worship, why should we feel freedom to worship? And, and, and again, remember, I'm asking this question, obviously we're talking about things and, and how we worship here, but also in our life. Worship is bigger than just a stage. Worship is bigger than just a room. How, how should we feel that freedom to worship? Or, yeah. I think Brody touched on it earlier when he said, like, that this is all that we have is to worship him. Like, we've been given the greatest gift that we could and will ever receive and f for us to not live in in a grateful response of that is just uh, it's it's just not right like we that'd be like someone randomly walks down the street hands you a million dollars and then you don't turn around and thank them at, at least and i think about the song gratitude with brandon lake I throw up my hands and praise you again and again because all that I have is a hallelujah. We don't have anything that we could offer him that he could ever want. But in his scripture, he, all he asks is that we praise him and that we follow him. And so if that's all that he asks of us, then that's what I'm going to do. And when we get to heaven, that's what we'll be doing all the time. So why would we not want to start doing that right now? And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of time in my personal prayer time, I pray, you know, that the Lord would bring heaven down to earth. And the fact that we get to be a small part of that happening while we are here shouldn't be lost on us. Like that is miraculous. And we just get to come in here on a random Sunday night and do that whenever we want. And that is amazing. And when we remember that, there's so much freedom. Yeah, I think an encouragement too is the Bible says we're two more gathered, the Spirit of the Lord is there. So like when you are at corporate worship, the Spirit of the Lord is there. So you get to worship with the presence of God. Like that is amazing. And when you wrap your mind around that, I feel like it begins to really transform that freedom thought of like, why would I not be joyous right now? Like God is here, he's present, let's worship. And I, I was actually thinking about Revelation too. If you haven't read it, like go read the throne room passage in Revelation. It, that is gonna be our future, to be worshiping in the presence of God in the throne room in heaven. We're not gonna care about what other people think about us when we're in that room. Yeah. 
real quick going off of that, like I, I would feel silly not to bring this up, but last week um, I was at LCA all week long. They had a spiritual emphasis week where they had chapel every single day. And for those of you that were there, you all know that like God was there. He was so evident in, in that room all week long. And it, it started with, with the worship because people, walls started to come down. People stopped caring about what their friends around them were thinking. And they just let go and chose to worship God how they wanted to worship and how he wants us to worship. And when that happened, for those of you that were there, I don't know about y'all, but I could feel the Holy Spirit, like, like what they were saying. Like I physically felt him like flowing through my body. It was unlike anything I've ever felt before. I don't know if any of you all that were there had that same feeling, but there is nothing like that. And I will do everything I can to chase that because that was better than any, any high or any, any, you know, happiness that I could have on earth. You know, again, point it back to Malachi chapter one, God says they're, they're bringing false or not false. They're bringing inadequate sacrifices to the Lord, like sheep that are blemished, you know, just not good sacrifices. And what Malachi says, the Lord said is, woe, if only of you would shut the door, it would be better for you to not worship me than to worship me in this way. And when you're saying that, I, I, I would just highlight when we talk about the Asbury revival, what was so attractive about the Asbury revival, the presence of the Lord was there. When we talk about what happened at LCA for you, the, the, you felt the presence of the Lord. Anytime that you're in these times where there is true worship, you can feel the presence of the Lord. I would say the same is true when we do not have authentic and genuine worship. I believe the Lord is saying, shut the door. Quit giving me this garbage and give me your heart. Give me your worship. Give me your focus. Give me your attention. Give me your love, for I alone am worthy. And that's when you feel full, is when you come to the Lord and you give him everything and you start to feel the presence of God doing a work on your heart. Right? You, you, and not, not just through what we're singing, but through the preaching of the word, through reading scripture. I mean, there are times where I've read scripture and I'm just weeping because I'm like, man, this is me. This is what I need. This is exactly where you have me growing, Lord. And so I, I think that's key for us to understand how we approach worship affects worship. And if we're coming and we're not giving our Lord the glory he deserves, there is a real truth to say, man, he comes where he's worshiped. And if we're not worshiping him, he's not there. So if we're living these fake lives, like you're not going to feel his presence because you're not turning to him. You're expecting him to show up and he will show up in your life, but you're expecting him to show up when you're not even crying out to him. And our God calls for us to cry out to him and he will show up when we cry out. Uh, guys, thanks so much. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I'm going to say you guys can go ahead. I'm going to end this passage real quick and give you, Tom Keith, to transition because I know you got a lot. But, hey, can you give them a round of applause just for Peyton? She, uh, she had an event this morning and has been going all day. Same thing for Brody. I, I do want you all to see how this chapter ends as the band sets up. So, remember, he begins by talking about how they've given him this inauthentic worship, this fake worship. They've made it about something else, just going through the motions. But there's a repentance that comes, and if we read in verse 22, so just a few short verses later, it says this, 
Therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham says this about the house of Jacob. Jacob will no longer be ashamed and his face will no longer be pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nation, they will honor my name and they will honor the Holy One of Jacob and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding and those who grumble will accept instruction. This series has not been built on calling people out to make them feel inadequate. This series has been built on trying to capture authenticity, to spur us into genuine worship, not just in this room, specifically outside of this room, in our life. May we be followers of Jesus who don't live in the hypocritical, where we come and change ourselves, but where we live in the authentic, where we're genuinely following Jesus in our lives and we're giving him the worship through our lives that he alone deserves. So hopefully this series has helped and I would ask that you stand as we continue in worship. Let me pray for us. And then Keith, will you lead us? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to dive into scripture and have this conversation. We pray, Lord, that as we enter into a time of worship through song, our voices would be lifted high to the one who alone is worthy. I pray, Lord, that you would make much of this time and that you would make much of yourself through the sacrifice that we give you. Keith said it in his conversation, and it was so true. All we have to give is our worship because we can give you nothing, Lord, that you don't already have. And you alone are worthy of our worship. So may we sing, may we praise, and may you be magnified, and may you work through us. In Jesus' name, amen.